Hey everyone, it's Yvette, your favorite Bruja from Lesser Known Coven. And I'm Brian, your favorite Bruja Yvette's co-host. And we don't, don't know, know shit, shit about, about comics. comics. It's literally in our name, like shit. Don't feel bad for not knowing anything about comics. Aw, we have the best guests. Yvette, please, you've had one too many White Claws. God, people are gonna think I'm a drunk. This is the I Don't Know Shit About Comics podcast. Yes, so much yes. Learn with us. Every Tuesday I get to get an update on how the glory hole is coming along. What are we even talking about right now? Teach us. Hey, why don't you stick around? We'll talk about chemtrails. Dude, I didn't sign up for this. Or just show up for the party. I was approached to be a Lenny Kravitz stripper. I see it. I can totally see it. This is out of control. This is the I Don't Know Shit About Comics podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian and Yvette. All right, welcome to I Don't Know Shit About Comics, the podcast about comics hosted by two people who don't know shit about them. I'm Brian, and this is my lovely co-host, Yvette. Hello, Yvette. Hi, Brian. Yvette, we had the pleasure of interviewing three people from the comic book world, and by interview... I mean, hang out and crack wise. We had Justin from Mind Invader Comics, and he's sort of a one-man show. I mean, he does the drawing, the writing, the illustrating, the social media, the promotion, you name it, he does it. A renaissance man, if you will. And quite the character. Justin's the type of guest I wish we had on every single episode. What'd you think about him, Yvette? Oh, I loved him. He's definitely going to be a uh, reoccurring guest for us, for sure. Well, he mentioned he had a girlfriend, Yvette, so cool your jets. Well, there goes my shot. <laughs> and then we had Phil the Thrill, Falco. Middle name Fun. Yeah, middle name Fun. Forgot about that. Phil is, he's quietly really funny. When I was listening back, he has these, he slips in these little one-liners. I remember Justin said an analogy regarding juggling chainsaws with your pants down and your dick on fire. And then Phil came in and just slipped in a... That was a beautiful analogy. <laughs> and like, like he, uh, he added a lot. And then we also had Jamal Harley. He's an indie comic book creator. He's got the Who is Bad comic and Royal Oak comics. Jamal, Lenny Kravitz lookalike. Yes. Agree? Agreed. And I mean, I kind of noticed that at the beginning of the podcast because we were on the Zoom meeting. I was like, man, he does. He looks kind of like Lenny Kravitz. We need his Lenny Kravitz Halloween costume pictures. Yes, we do. I feel like we should post that on our Instagram or something so that the uh, one or two people that are listening to this can take a look at for reference. But so Jamal, we found out dressed up as Lenny Kravitz for Halloween one year at a costume party. And one of our other guests on the same show, Justin from Mind Invader Comics, he chimed in and was like, you know what you should have done is bought a dildo and been Lenny Kravitz with his dick out on stage. And Jamal replied, already been done. (laughs) (laughs) Because apparently that was part of the costume. (laughs) Great surprise. Now, I don't like to throw around the word hero lightly, Yvette, but I'm going to say it right now. Jamal? Hero. Hero. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, all three of them were characters and none of them knew each other from the beginning, but it felt like we all knew each other by the end. After this quarantine, 
I'm starved for human interaction. Yeah, well, I don't know shit about comics is apparently the party to be at. So why not? Why not? Indeed, Yvette. Why not? Indeed. But we don't want to keep these people waiting any longer. We've spent enough time jawing between the two of us. Here's the show, guys. Hope you like it. But first, a word from our sponsor. Do you wake up in the morning feeling exhausted? (sighs) Did you get a full eight hours of sleep and still feel like you would rather end it all than get out of bed? I'm in a glass case of emotion! End the suffering and make mornings your bitch with Bruja Coffee. Bruja Coffee is completely unnatural, 100% non-organic, and contains zero caffeine. The secret ingredient in Bruja Coffee is pure, uncut, methamphetamine. Oh yeah. Don't be fooled by the health experts and their absurd warnings. Grab the morning by the balls with Bruja Coffee. Independent studies have shown that those who consume Bruja Coffee have experienced mild to serious side effects, although not likely, but probably very likely. Bruja Coffee may cause death, may cause impotency, may cause both males and females to begin lactating. While taking this product, it was not common, but also not uncommon for consumers to experience a total loss of control in their day-to-day lives. Bruja Coffee consumption may result in tussles with authority figures such as law enforcement or anyone who gets in your way. Addiction is more than likely. Please consume Bruja Coffee responsibly or don't. We couldn't care less either way. I'm Brian, and I've got my co-host, Vet here with I Don't Know Shit About Comics podcast, an affiliate of Lesser Known Comics. And we got a few guests today. Justin Simmons, who's an indie comic publisher, or as he says, glorified scribbler, for Mind Invader Comics. Justin, thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Mind Invader Comics? Mind Invader Comics is just my own little homegrown slice of life. Take uh, the concept of Stranger Things and injected into good old Marietta, Georgia, which is just north of Atlanta. Oh, right on. Mm-hmm. And we also have Jamal Harley. He's another indie comic book creator. Jamal, you want to talk a little about the two comics that you do? Yeah, thanks for having me. Right now we have a Kickstarter that's live for Who's Bad? The premise behind that is a lowly henchman down in his luck, working for the most notorious supervillain, accidentally acquires the powers of the world's greatest superhero, and he thinks his life is going to be easier, but a lot of jealous supervillains and a lot of vengeful superheroes don't think that's going to happen for him. The next is Conquer the Galaxy or Die Trying. Basic premise is like, what if the Emperor from Star Wars got his mind shifted into R2-D2 and ran around trying to kill Luke? So, <laughs> it's a space opera comedy, and I'm having a lot of fun with my artists doing that one. And then we've got one more guest, Phil, middle name Fun Falco. He's an indie comic book creator as well. And you do the haunting comic, Phil? That's right. It's lots of fun, just like my middle name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so haunting it follows a bratty teenage boy who just so happens to raise the dead wherever he goes. You know, we're three issues into the ongoing. It's a lot of fun. We're having a good time. And right now I have a Kickstarter live for actually a crossover between my series haunting and my good friend. Cat Calamy is like father, like daughter. It's a one-shot crossover. It's a superhero meet the supernatural kind of story. And you know, we're trying to go for like a really fun Saturday morning cartoon vibe. It's probably one of the most fun things I've ever written. Really looking forward to sharing it with everyone. Right on. So the premise of this show is Yvette and I don't know anything about comics. So forgive us if we sound a little stupid. We, uh, we are. Justin, I was looking at your uh, Instagram earlier and I noticed a Martin Luther King reprint that you had posted. Yeah. So I was looking over some of those pages and 
you can really see that everything's hand drawn on those. And I know a lot of people today are drawing on iPads and stuff like that. Right. And uh, I understand like the convenience. So do you think anything is, is lost with the new school type of drawing where it's not just yeah. like pen to paper? And uh, I'm sure all three, you can uh, talk about this one. Uh, absolutely. And, and don't feel bad for not knowing anything about comics and asking us to explain that we've literally had practice to trying to tell our parents about it. So <laughs> don't, don't feel bad. Um, no, but that, that's actually a really good question. Uh, I do feel like a lot of techniques and just the labor of love in general that went into traditional comics is lost today. Um, I have a couple of artist editions, uh, one particularly of Jack Kirby's old work from before Fantastic Four. So everything that he was doing from Captain America uh, on to Fantastic Four. So everything that's lesser known about Jack Kirby. Um, and you can really see the details and techniques that they incorporated with their penmanship in terms of the use of whiteout, of razor blades and uh, duotones and, and, and zipatones that kind of got them a lot of those interesting textures that really made their work pop. And seeing those pages today, it just really kind of transports you to what it was like and just like the work that went into creating a page back then. And, and it really shows you how profound and just how, how great these, these masters were because these guys had to get this stuff out of like on like a, on a monthly basis. And even today, it's a daunting task just to get something done digitally with all of its shortcuts. So I couldn't even imagine the kind of pressure that these guys went through, you know, back in the day when, when all this kind of stuff was, was starting out. So yeah, I do think there are a lot of things lost. I will note that there are like those kind of nuances are being recreated in terms of like pen packets and, and brush packs that you can find online. Um, those are being recreated for those kind of effects, but nothing beats the original way of doing things. Yeah, I hear you. You kind of focus a lot on making comics fun. I know that we just talked about, you know, a comic with a message, but what <laughs> is unique about your comic and what, what makes it fun? Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so I live in Marietta, Georgia, right? Now, one of Marietta's claim to fame is that there's a big chicken in the middle of our town that used to be a highway attraction back in like the 60s. So before 75, when like the major interstates were, were, were built, there was a major road that ran through our town, which is old Highway 41. And on that highway was where the big chicken stood. So it was a roadside attraction. So I kind of took that concept of the big chicken and kind of turned it into my own. So I call it Cobzilla. And it's like, uh, you know, the big chicken, but Godzilla. So a lot of what I do with my stories is I kind of take the things that are tangible in my town and kind of turn it on its head. Very much like how South Park does with its TV show. South Park's okay. a real place, but there's all types of crazy shit that goes on in that town, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's kind of the philosophy and the, the take that I, that I have with my Vader comics. Jamal, I'm going to pose the same question to you. What's unique about your comic? What got you into comics? And uh, I'm also curious what your thoughts are on like traditional and digital uh, drawing. I started traditional digital drawing. I started off traditionally drawing. 
And one of the things that made, I had a desire to actually draw comic books because I grew up reading them, reading my dad's comic books. That's how I got into them. But uh, yeah, when I learned that you could draw a whole page and somebody says, you have to draw this all over again, I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm just gonna, <laughs> I don't have the patience for that. I'm gonna have to find another way. So that, that kind of like what Justin said, just the mastery and the dedication and the level and the skill to, you know, do that and redo that and just... I 100% admire it. I do also really admire the digital artists and the creativity that goes there. So as with anything, like just, just awesome things in every kind of like medium and art form that you can just really appreciate. So I can't, I definitely respect them both. I can't say which one I like prefer when creating comic books. I do prefer digitals because it's easier for me to change <laughs> my mind and say, Hey, can you draw this over? Yeah. <laughs> which is something I would not like, but you know, <laughs> the irony. Um, <laughs> yeah. As unique, I, I, I don't know. Like, I just like to, I don't think it's unique, but I do fat, like different perspectives um, from different characters. I guess you wouldn't normally get their take or their opinion or them being highlighted as often as other characters. So I kind of like focusing on that as well as creating a character you love and making you hate them and creating a character you hate and making them love them. That's my jam. Right on. I have to say, sorry. Yeah, I love the henchman premise because at least someone cares about the henchman because literally I handed one of the guys a script that said, oh yeah, from page five to, I don't know, we could go to nine, you can go to 11. I just need you killing henchmen. Here's the first panel, here's the end panel. And like, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't really care how many of them you kill or how you kill them. You know, that's on you. And he was just like, oh, you know, it's just like, so much disregard I have, to, you know, so I'm glad somebody's giving them the love they deserve. Yeah, the human element of the henchmen. <laughs> they got bills to pay, too. <laughs> All right, uh, Phil, let's go to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your comic and what makes it unique, what kind of uh, methods, traditional or digital, you're using. Fill us in. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll start with traditional digital. I think that there's definitely merits to both methods. You know, my artist for haunting for the ongoing is a digital artist. And I think there's benefits. It's a lot quicker and, you know, it's a lot easier on the artist, which is always great. But, you know, I think there is something to, to what Justin was saying, you know, about losing the traditional aspect. I mean, it's kind of ingrained in comics, the whole idea of collecting original art. You know, it's very special to a lot of comic fans, myself included. I'm not personally an artist, so I, I wouldn't presume to tell someone how to tackle um, their art style. But, you know, I, I, I think I could take comfort in saying I don't think traditional art is ever going to go away in comics. It might, you know, it might take a little backseat for, for a couple of years here and there. But I think people value traditional art too much. And, you know, whenever whenever you see traditional art and original art, especially you get you get pretty excited. Um, and then what makes haunting special? I always say that the story, it didn't start as a comic or even a ghost story. You know, it didn't start as a supernatural story. It started as me thinking about the protagonist of any given comic or movie or TV show that you would see and how like the archetypical hero typically carries the weight of the world on their shoulders. And especially in comics, especially in superhero comics, there's always this notion of you you create your own villains unintentionally and then you have to you have to make up for it. You have to atone for whatever whatever bad you've put into the world intentionally or unintentionally. And I really want to tell a story about just a bratty kid who definitely puts a lot of hurt out into the world, definitely gets people killed and 
just you know doesn't give a shit about it. You know, doesn't take responsibility and shies away from it. And if someone calls him out, he gets pissy about it. It transformed into I, I love horror, so it transformed into a ghost story pretty easily. And the details kind of filled out from there. You know, it's just a blast to write. I love I love writing characters who I kind of hate a little bit, and you know, kind of kind of uh, you know tying into what was said before. I love you know taking a character that you hate and then maybe putting a little a little nugget of like relatability in there you know at the end of the day bram the, the lead of haunting is a kid and he's a brat and he's getting people hurt but he is just a kid who was dealt a bad hand and you know that that's the kind of thing i'm really excited to explore and then you know i don't want to belabor a point but you know that's that's also what excites me the most about this crossover that we have live right now which uh you know it puts my character with uh the writer of like father like daughter's character who similar situation, inherited superpowers from her father, and she kind of rises to mutation in the more traditional hero way. So putting the two of them in a room together, you know, that her character, Casey, rises to the occasion, and my character, Bram, goes about as low as you can go with given powers, and, you know, having them talk it out, you know, relate to each other in a way that nobody else in their respective series can, it's just been a real blast. When you're creating these characters, do you base anything off real people in your life? Someone once told me that, uh, there's no such thing as like a completely original character. Everything's based on some things, whether it's another character or somebody you know. So I would definitely say there's there's bits of me and people I know and characters I love in, in any character I've created. I don't think anyone's necessarily directly inspired by someone I know. When Bram's saying something like particularly bitchy, it definitely sounds like me sometimes. I, I can be, <laughs> even though my middle name's fun, I can be a little bitchy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we got a bitch character in lesser known comics after a vet. <laughs> oh, shots fired. But it's true, so I can't even, you know, add about it. <clears throat> so, Phil, what draws comic creators to, like, the horror sci-fi genre? I think, and, you know, not even just comics, I think, you know, with movies and TV, too, I think what excites me especially about horror is it puts characters in a very vulnerable position very quickly. I think we show, we as people, show a lot of who we are and uh you know like who we really are and like you know let our guard down when we're scared and when we're when we have like a lot of adrenaline so i think seeing other a it's fun to be scared by not in real life but by like media and then b it's fun to see people scared and you know trying to you know trying to survive and deal with circumstances that are completely outside of their control um so yeah that, that, that's definitely what attracts me to horror personally Right on. I wish you could give me some tips. I mean, I, I've always liked horror, but my girlfriend's just drained the life out of me when it comes to it. It's like all she wants to watch is horror 2020 or Dateline about murder. Oh, you're so lucky. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got I got <laughs> I'm just hoping that I'm on a 2020 soon as the guy who gets murdered. <laughs> I'll watch. Don't worry. <laughs> to, me, to me, my wife's uh, every single movie in book she's reading is woman gets gaslighted by her evil husband to think that she's crazy you know but really he's trying to kill her <laughs> so i know justin's is 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 pretty sci you know i mean justin's knee deep in the sci-fi horror like kind of in that classic genre yeah yeah uh i i, I definitely i love sci-fi um saying uh sci-fi has always has always been a part of my life um since Power Rangers, you know, since I was like a little, you know, five-year-old kid. Uh, and I think what it is about sci-fi and fantasy, um, at least for me, 
there's just a level of comfort in the possibilities that science that science fiction and fantasy can present it it you know um it's with any media of entertainment there's a form of escapism you know and i, I feel like for me my my own escapism was was just the sci-fi genre of like oh god it, there, there's just so much that i can that i can pull from um from my childhood uh but i think what it is is just adventuring the sense of adventure and 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 conquering obstacles and 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 rising above uh any kind of uh adversity i think that's what the most alluring thing for sci-fi to me was and the badass costumes to be honest with you i mean who doesn't <laughs> a ray gun you know what i'm saying just to blow some shit away you know like let's let's be real about it it's, it's the suits you know what i'm saying it's it's the aliens it's all of that you know i it's it's really the it, it's the adventure it's and and the excitement that comes in into that adventure going to new places seeing unimaginable seeing the unimaginable imagined you know, and, and, and being inspired and awed by it. That's, that's, that for me, that's, that's what I think. What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> what draws comic book creators right. to horror no, yeah, sci-fi yeah, genre, yeah. you know? That's, that's what the draw is. That's what the draw is. It's just, it's just being able to make tangible the unimagined. Right on. You know, uh, from the movie Hook, Dustin Hoffman says that death is the only adventure. There you go. I don't want to be more known. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink to that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Justin asked, he's like, is it cool if I drink on on, on the show? We like, prefer it. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> well then here, here. <laughs> Justin, so you talked about making the unimaginable imaginable. Um, what is like your biggest I wish I had an undo button moment um, when creating? Because you're because you're doing because you're doing traditional when yeah you're, when we, yeah when review like oh god <laughs> oh man oh man okay like what would i wish i could do over yeah. fuck how much time you got <laughs> <laughs> no well my first published work was my first published work was uh last year um and i did that traditional i did that traditional and uh my buddy he did his digital. We put it in the same book. Um, and seeing those, and because it was my first like published uh, work, it's like, it's like waking up in the morning and being met with a bunch of tasks and everything like that. And you, you're not necessarily, you don't necessarily have your footing to, you know, to be able to give it a proper stride. And so I feel like I didn't necessarily give my first introduction of sequential work its proper stride but nonetheless i am still very proud of it because it's it's there it exists so i know going on these road trips with mark we've been uh you know trying to sling comic books at every comic book shop around the country and uh there actually it seems like there's a fair amount of indie creators out there and i know mark is kind of like learning all this stuff as we go but uh jamal <laughs> you you said you have a kickstarter going what kind of stuff can uh, people get from there you can get digital copies of our first issue of Who's Bad. That also includes a 10-page mini-comic of Conquer the Galaxy or Die Trying. 
Uh, we have posters, three different posters. We've got prints. We've got stickers, logo stickers. Uh, we also have a book of concept art. So about seven artists that just, you know, when I was first starting to make the comic book, I just had images in my head and I just like, hey, let's get some artists to get these down. And so I found seven amazing artists that helped me out, create these characters. I gave them, you know, uh, some specs and they did an amazing job. And that's a really cool thing. And we also did a uh, black and black and white comic of the first issue. Our artist, Lucas Meyer, just insanely talented dude. It just looked amazing without the colors, even though Juliana Perrettelli, he's an amazing colorist. They both look amazing. So it's just cool to see those, uh, a nice contrast. Totally. Do you find that comics lose or gain anything from digital copies to hard copies? I know with lesser known comics, we released the digital ones, but when I saw the hard copies, I was like, this, mm. this is cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, there's something about just having it in your hand and as a collector, just having it like in your collection, it's, it's there and, you know, people can sign it, but also I'm, me, first and foremost, is the story. So if I can read it and look at the art in any medium, you know, it's great. If it makes me want to buy the next one, even better. What about you, Phil? Do you release digital or hard copies or both? And what do you think about each of the mediums? Yeah, I think uh, I think it makes sense to release both. You don't lose anything by putting out a digital version. And uh, personally, I prefer to read digital, but I also, you know, I like to have the physical copies to collect. I always joke that I destroy anything that gets into my hands. So I'm very reluctant <laughs> to, to read a comic for the first time uh, in physical because I, I'll turn the page too excitedly and then I'll rip out a page or something ridiculous like that. So um, I definitely prefer to read digital. And then you know, once, I, once I'm familiar with the series, if I want to return to it or, or a particular issue that I really like, if I want to return to it, I like to go and uh, paw through the digital very carefully, hopefully. <laughs> Brian has destroyed a lot of Maxim physical copies. Though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you're not supposed to get them wet. But uh, <laughs> um, so this one's uh, one for the group. How did it feel when you held your first piece of published work? You know, I'm sure it was a happy moment, but what did that feel like? God, man. Um, well, personally, I will never know what it's the only. OK, my, my thing is like the only two beings that can create are God and women. So to actually hold something in my hands that like I made, you know, I don't think that there is ever any higher high than that to like actually to, it's the closest thing to ever knowing what it feels like to either be God or, or a woman, to hold something that you created in your hands, you know, that you love. It was profound. It was profound. And then it was like, okay, I got to make the next one. Yeah, yeah, I tried to explain to my girlfriend one time that she was just a microwave. And oh, God. I was I was really doing the heavy lifting. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm 34 years old, and never had a long term relationship. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't make hamburger helper without the sauce packet. Right. So I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, i'm sorry to get off topic but uh what about you jamal uh, what did it feel like when you first published your work uh technically hasn't happened so stuff's at the printer right now so technically hasn't hasn't happened uh, you have to um, record your reaction yeah. Send it yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go you should do like a live birth moment right. <laughs> get in the bathtub oh open the box the, i can see the top banner oh my god oh my god <laughs> 
Keep no, but I, I had a I had like a, a fledgling music career for a while. And, you know, you, you sit there in the studio and you craft the song, you listen to it over and over, you listen it to your car over and over. Like I've read this and analyzed everything about the comic on my computer. But to me, I think the best thing is when other people experience it. Mm. That That is, uh, or whether they like it or hate it, just getting that feedback. It's like you made somebody feel something. Mm. You know, as long as you made somebody feel something, as long as they're just like, eh. If that that hurts, but <laughs> if, somebody, if somebody totally. says I'm tra- yeah says I'm trash, then good. I made you feel something. If somebody says that's dope, good. You I made you feel something for that moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank God for social media for that instant reaction to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> what about you, Phil? Yeah, I've got three issues now that I've had uh, printed. You know, I will say all the feelings they describe totally had them, but it also just doesn't go away. You know, you yeah. think like uh, after the first few that the high would go away, but, you know, there's, there's nothing beats holding something that you just created in your hand. It also goes with like new series. So like I have haunting, but you know, when I got the first pages for the crossover, which is by a different artist than my usual, like, you know, it felt, felt really new again. I have another series that's gonna, that, that's gonna come out soon in uh, next month that as soon as we saw the art for that, like the first time all over again. There's really no better feeling. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I don't want to sidetrack us too much again, but the printer, that's your microwave? Because <laughs> they're not microwave. creating the comic, but, you know, you need them to make it. <laughs> Jamal, if I kind of brought something in my head, I get super mama bear about comments you get typically positive. I actually think most people will be like, oh, it's great work. It maybe it wasn't that great. But I've only had one comment and I just remember it specifically over everything else where someone was like, well, that gun perspective isn't right. And I'm like, well, then you make your own fucking comment. And that's exactly why they said that shit, because they can't. <laughs> like, I got a lot of sleep about it. You know, and I was like, my wife up, was like, hey, look, look at this asshole said. And she's like, I'm six months pregnant. Like, I can't. You just see Mark in a meeting with his uh, with his staff with a fucking cigar in his mouth. All J. Jonah Jameson stuff throws the book down. What do you call this? <laughs> the fuck do you call this? <laughs> I want a retraction. <laughs> yeah, Mark's a real hard ass. <laughs> really cranks the whip on these people. They really all just live in his basement under the house. <laughs> Listen, if you guys need any help, just just call. We'll get somebody on you guys. I don't know. I don't know. Some sort of bureau. Morse code to you. Like SOS. Right. Yeah. Have you done a Kickstarter before, Justin? No, no, I have not. So I guess the question for Jamal and Phil, like, how did you come up with your tiers? Did you just kind of look at what everybody else was doing? Or you're just like, this is what I can do? I unapologetically copied people that had successful Kickstarters. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm going to look at who who's, who's winning out here and, you know, do it to the best of my ability. Uh, The only thing I didn't do was get crazy with uh, variant covers because my, my, that wasn't in my budget. So maybe the, maybe, maybe next one couldn't do Don't it this time. Don't do variant covers, man. The, the 90s happened for a goddamn reason. That's how I feel. <laughs> you are breaking Mark's heart right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but there, there was literally an entire bubble that had burst and caused the downfall of comics. 
uh, back in the 90s. Uh, and, and we blame image and spawn and, and, and all that stuff. But but still, I thought the downfall of the 90s was X-Force replaced. Yes, because with, they uh, had with, with nine different covers. <laughs> they had nine different covers for the first issue. Yes, it was uh, during the 90s, during the uh, comic market bubble crash. It was like people had just realized that comics were actually worth two cents. So what they decided to do was they were like, well, let me just buy nine copies of issue one. And that way I'll be able to put my kids through college. And it made Image Comics very rich for a while. And then the bubble burst. It just burst and everyone went bankrupt. And Marvel was sucking dick for bear money for a while. And <laughs> it, just, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good time. It's, and, and it's not that variant covers aren't bad. Same way like how having steak dinner isn't bad. Just having six steak dinners a night <laughs> is not that great for you, you know? I used to collect comic cards as a kid, but I also collected sports cards. And there was an interesting documentary recently about how all of those sports cards, like in baseball, it was the Griffey rookie card was the most coveted card. And it all just came crashing down. This guy had collected these cards for years and took them to a card convention. And they told him those are worth more as kindling to start a fire. <laughs> and I guess it's because they just printed so many of this one collectible card. Yeah, Is that exactly. the same thing? Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's it literally, you know, the, yeah, it's the same thing. You can take that model and put it to anything. I mean, whether it be stocks, money, whatever. Too much of a sought after thing. It's, it's not so sought after anymore. Going forward, you just hope that the big guys don't no, oversaturate no, no. again? Um, well, because the, the number one thing about the comic industry is that it's a creative industry. And innovation is the only thing that gives creativity momentum. Perfect example, Disney. Disney was the first person to put sound to picture. And he completely brought us to where we were today. And that's the kind of stuff that is needed in this industry or in any industry, so to speak. It's just the innovation. I mean, it's like same thing with the iPhone. I mean, yeah, you throw a bigger camera on it and you give it, you know, six much more, you know, gigs or whatever the hell. It's the innovation. It's the innovation of it. So comics need to find a innovative outlet. I'm probably saying too much because I'm not trying to get ran out the business. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it just needs that. It doesn't need a different cover. It just needs something different. I'll leave it at that. And, but that's the fun part, finding out what that different is. That's the whole reason why we make comics. That's the whole reason why we're creative individuals. Phil, you've had a successful Kickstarter. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, because I was uh, feeling good about mine until I saw yours. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I was <laughs> my co-writer and I were talking just today about how we have way too many rewards. <laughs> I think that's just a, a necessary evil. You got an insane amount of backers, too. So, yeah, well, we, we gave them a lot of options. So, um, <laughs> what are some of the rewards that you offer? I'm just curious. Uh, I'm part of the problem. I got I got some variant covers. I got some trading cards. Um, which, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I'm, I, I love trading cards, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about them. I think I'm just geeking out over my own cards. But yeah, they, they've been doing okay, actually. A lot of people have been taking to them. While I was on this podcast, I checked and somebody just got like a whole bunch of them. But yeah, in terms of coming up with the rewards, I did the same thing as everyone else. I saw what is everyone else offering? At the end of the day, you could throw a bunch of flashy things in, you could throw in the variant covers, you could throw in the trading cards, you could throw in a soundtrack to listen to while you uh, 
while you read the comic. At the end of the day, you got to really push the comic itself. That's what people are there for. And it shows in the numbers when you look at the reward tiers. By far and away, most people just go for the book. And as long as you have a quality book, cool art, cool cover, cool story, that's what people are there for. And that's the bulk of your funding and your support is going to come from, in my experience. I had the idea of auctioning off a date with a vet because the main character is after her. So you could go on a date with the main character and you get the whole girlfriend experience, but that was shot down. How much are you going to charge for that? That's what I was trying to come up with. <laughs> no! <laughs> Mark, how much That's money do we need for the next Kickstarter? <laughs> I mean, are we going to go for bulk or try to do it all in just one shot? Because we could charge like 20 bucks a pop and just get like 100 dates for you. I don't have enough time in the world for that, you guys. I'm a single mother, full-time worker. This is my little side gig. Come on now. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about motherhood as Justin was talking about what it feels like to create something because it was like, oh, Yvette knows what it's like to create something unique, but didn't sell it. In a didn't sell it. <laughs> God, I yet, hope not. Yet. <laughs> Someone call CPS. <laughs> Honestly, we could we could just be like a tier on God's Kickstarter campaign right now that like, no one's bidding on right now. Ain't that like, the no. goddamn truth? <laughs> <laughs> Not interested. I didn't expect to have my worldview shattered when I came on here. <laughs> For real. For real. I'm reevaluating my entire life now. Goddamn. I hope I was like a high tier at least. I don't want to be like five dollar digital. <laughs> feel like i was a low tier and no one's bought it yet <laughs> we might auction you guys off next time figure that out brian <laughs> brian can go first brian had this idea that initially he was like oh we're only going to have the podcast available on only fans <laughs> like the only fully clothed just like there might be something to be said about that actually that's that what i'm saying woman, um that one woman raised a shitload of money for the wildfires in australia pre-2020 just by like selling toe picks or some shit like that you know yeah See? Just, I, I think like sanford green the guy that created bitterroot said this to me at dragon con once he said this is the golden age of indie comics once you're in a golden age and once everyone's like doing the same thing how do you stand out? But the awesome thing is that we're in the digital age. So it's like the possibilities are limitless and the only limits are just the ones that we kind of create for ourselves. So it's like, why not fucking sell toe picks for your goddamn comic book Kickstarter to get fully funded or some <laughs> shit like that? If I am all for this. nicely manicured, I'd be on that shit. I'll tell you that right now. I am all for this. Yvette, you have nice toes too. I've seen I, uh Let's not talk about my toes. <laughs> Let's. Where's who's HR of lesser known comics? <laughs> we do need an HR person. I don't no. think so. Mark, for somebody who fires as many automatic weapons as you bet, like Brian, you are barking up the wrong tree. Like she'll handle it before. The <laughs> same. Yeah, you guys don't know what it's like to be in a car with him for for eight hours and then be like, "No, that's a comic book." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good times. We actually had a dog. Yeah, we had a dog with us. We drove from Reno to Virginia in like four and a half days. That was spicy, especially because Mark has narcolepsy. Oh, wow. I'm like not even kidding about that. Cosplay. Really? Yeah, I got a, I, uh, I was verified. in the army for, uh, <laughs> God, eight, 17 years, something like that. And then, mm. and then lo and behold, I thought I had like sleep apnea like everyone else does, you know, like when they get, <laughs> and like, they're like, nope, you have narcolepsy. And I was like, that 
was not in the list of things I thought was going to come out of a damn mouth. It's a it's an interesting diagnosis and it's like meeting a unicorn. It's not what you would think. I thought it was like, oh, he's going to fall asleep in his soup. That could be bad. But yeah, like uh, induced Bigelow, male gigolo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's more like he starts nodding off and twitches a lot. Yeah. Oh, so he's a grandpa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said, well, what's like, what's the thing that gave me a, a, a medication? They said, well, the problem is that your brain doesn't release dopamine as it should. So usually when people do stuff, the brain's like, this is good. Let's keep doing this. Dopamine, dopamine, and then you stay awake. So mine doesn't. Do yeah, like that. cocaine. <laughs> so they gave me medication. I describe it as Coke without the cane. It's very, <laughs> it's, it's good, but you don't have to like smuggle it in through. <laughs> no uncomfortable balloon placement. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brian, come to the bathroom. I got to show you something. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first time I keistered something. <laughs> hey, let me ask a question to the group. What's your barometer for, I have gone too zany with this script? Because I think comics, unlike cinema, like you're like, well, we're only going to go as zany as the special effects can handle, or as I can commit this actor to do, or we have the budget set or props to pull off. But comics, you don't really have that. If you can draw it, you're like, yes, what's behind this creaking door? Once you Mm -hmm. open it, it could be a mummy, it could be a zombie, it could be a space alien, it could be a zombie Justin Bieber. But how is your, what's your barometer for like, I have jumped the shark and I need to take a few steps back? I think I might have lost my first artist for Who's Bad based off the first page because I just wanted these subterranean lizard people that were steampunk. And I thought this was a great idea. He did right. not. <laughs> well, that, that guy, I'm glad you fired that guy because they're not going to make it far. So going forward with any of my artists, I'm just like, hey, just let me know where's, where's the line and we'll discuss it. I wasn't married to the steampunk lizard people, but (laughs) obviously they're not in there now, but you know, (laughs) I have weird ideas. Let's talk about it. (laughs) What's the weirdest idea any of you have come up with and didn't actually go with it? Steampunk lizard people. (laughs) Um, That's a good one though. That's a hard one to top. I think for me, I'm always trying to come up with creative ways because I have a lot of ghosts that show up. I don't want them to get boring. So I'm always just like, oh, what kind of ghost can I put in here? And it's like, oh, it's a train conductor. It's a housemaid. It's a a Walmart employee, whatever the case may be. And at one point I unconsciously wrote ghost toddler crawls out and I was like, nope, no, let's avoid that. (laughs) I had one of my college series was uh, Meredith Squares when I was 19, 20, just this big stoner fuck that just did nothing but hang behind the coffee shop and make comics. One storyline was dickheads from planet Uranus. It was just based on the feelings of being young and having some guy trying to push up on your girlfriend. So the episode was about dickheads from planet Uranus stealing me and my friend's girlfriend. Oh my God. I'm glad you kept the traditional pronunciation of Uranus because my wife is reading this planet book to my daughter every day. Oh, Uranus? I did that. And I get so <laughs> mad. I get so mad. Like, say it right. Say it right. I did. <laughs> we probably read the same planet book because that was the pronunciation I was using for my 10-year-old sister. I mean, come on. We're millennials. So it's like, we know what all the fucked up shit's like. You don't want the next generation to be like that. So you want to be a little bit more proper and PC, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> obviously you're not with it. But for your earlier question about litmus test, what is too much? I grew up on shows like Ed, Ed, and Eddie. One of my favorite movies is Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And that's some pretty out there shit. I mean, even regular show. A regular show is some pretty out there shit. And there isn't ever really 
too much. It's, it's all about the initial agreement between you and your viewer. Like with Captain Underpants, you know what the hell's going on right from the front cover. It's like, you know, Captain Underpants versus the Harry Potty and the Poopy Pants, something, whatever. I can't remember the title, but as soon as you set, hey, this is what the ride is, strap in, you can take them anywhere. That's what I'm saying. Because yeah. Pee Wee Herman, when he masturbated in that movie theater, it was an adult <laughs> film movie theater. That, you know, I'm glad you said that because I just recently showed my sister Pee Wee's Big Adventure and my grandma was like, oh, he's a pervert. I'm like, come on. First of all, <laughs> it's a goddamn spank theater. Yeah, you know, it's place almost you're allowed to masturbate. To not exactly. I can't wait to tell my kids one day that at one time there was a place where men would gather to watch their porn. <laughs> We didn't just oh, have computers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the goddamn 80s for crying out loud. You know what I'm saying? People had spiked hair and was doing cocaine off of weird places. You know, I don't know what the TV rating is for this podcast. I mean, I get to read about it tomorrow in the HR roll up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you said there was no HR. Brianna is that you know of. <laughs> oh man, Brianna, the straw that stirs the drink. <laughs> it's funny you say 80s and cocaine. So we got this illustrator and I didn't know she wrote as well. And then she started sharing her writing and she said, well, I have this plot and tell me if you think it's any good. So these punk rockers, they're in a bathroom in the eighties and they're trying to do cocaine and one falls and makes a hole in the wall and finds basically like a monkey's paw from like yes. Twilight Zone type of thing, yeah. you know, and it makes Grant's wishes, but it's a hole in the wall and the hand is called the hand of glory. So the name of the comic is glory hole. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> <Rude>. yes, <laughs> so much. Yes. So every Tuesday, I get to get an update on how the glory hole's coming along. I want to read that when that's ready. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I feel like she should have chose the 70s as the time period, though, because that really was the sweet spot where, like, you didn't know cocaine was bad for you yet and AIDS <laughs> didn't exist. So it was like pre-AIDS, mid-coke. That's That was the sweet spot. <laughs> pre-AIDS, mid-coke. Okay. That answers the time machine question. Like, where would you go? <laughs> I think Brian is on to something travel? there. No. Yeah. I think Brian is on this. I'm sorry to interrupt. Because, one, 80s is kind of overdone since Stranger Things and Wonder Woman 84 was just like the cap on top of that. But, yeah, 70s, I mean, that's, you know what I'm saying, hippie funkadelic era in full swing disco. Nothing's weirder than goddamn disco. You ever seen any of those fucking pictures of Studio 54? Yeah, you it's have like, to do drugs to enjoy that. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that is like a great, I think that is a lesser known era to explore that comic in. Oh, I like what you did there. Pro. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you. thank you, thank you. If you want to hire me, I'm, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> well, we had a guest on last week. He's an artist and he was commissioned to draw these nude photos of some girl. Jesus Christ. <laughs> have you guys ever been commissioned to do something weird? Sixth grade, I had to draw Dragon Ball Z risque pictures. I was paid 50 cents uh, and I got suspended. Samir Sakaria ratted me out. <laughs> <laughs> Never forgot it. I bet you guys uh, ever been commissioned to do something weird? I mean, draw something weird, not do something weird. <laughs> That's a different combo. Yeah. <laughs> well, this one time in the 80s at a bus stop. <laughs> I'm not an artist, and I've only been comics for a year, so no weird commissions for me yet. But as I get my first, I'll shoot you a message. No, oh, perfect. <laughs> Mine wasn't art, but I guess it was artistic. About 10 years ago, I was approached to be a Lenny Kravitz stripper. 
Oh wow! Wait, I was he? I see. And you accepted, right? I was totally see it. Dick, was this before his dick popped out on stage? Before, yeah. Wow. Well, you know that's important <laughs> to know what you have to do in your act. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Method acting's a real thing. Yeah. It is so popular, but I have yet to meet somebody where I looked on their playlist, just some Lenny Kravitz came up, or I saw their vinyl collection, they're like, yep, there's Lenny Kravitz. Like, I'm just like, where's, like, I don't dispute that he's got, you know, it's it's not Nickelback, right? But I've just never been like, hey guys, I know it's going to set the vibe right. <laughs> right now. So I'm not saying that he's bad. I'm just saying that I've never been like gosh, got to burn through the rest of this playlist so I can get to the good stuff. When I had my fro, I'd literally be in clubs and bars, and if the DJ saw me, they would start playing Lenny Kravitz. Dude, I'm telling you. Though. I see uh, it. I see yeah, it. Just imagine structure. the pro, it's the take off glasses. It's, it's there. <laughs> yeah. It's the cheekbones. It's the jawline. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> my birthday's in July. Mark, you uh, <laughs> Let's see if I can grow it back out by then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got wigs. Don't worry. There yeah. you go. I'm just going to post on your comments on Instagram. I didn't know Lenny Kravitz was making comics. <laughs> Do it. Have you guys heard? Lenny Kravitz is making comics. My girlfriend's a huge fan of making obscure Halloween costumes. Last year, we went as a light skinned friend that looked like Michael Jackson and a dark skinned friend that looked like Michael Jackson. Oh my God. And you should definitely do Lenny Kravitz with his dick popped out of Rip Dean. Just go to Starship, get like a dildo. You it's know, been done. And, and... <laughs> it's been done. Go to my Facebook. There's pictures. Oh my God. Where are you I was in the cosplay scene and I used to cosplay as Lenny Kravitz. And I was actually one of the performers for this thing called Club Cosplay back in the day. And I actually did that. It was the Halloween That's show. And I had. I... I don't even know you, but I fucking love you. <laughs> Mark, I think you know which one I want at my birthday. Yeah, you name your price. <laughs> hang it on your wall. <laughs> Just so he has to explain to his girlfriend, like, why? <laughs> you had a Lenny Kravitz lookalike with his dick out at your birthday. Not going to not get it, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was our interview with Justin Simmons from Mind Invader Comics, Jamal Harley, another indie comic book creator from the Who's Bad comic and Royal Oak comics, and then Phil, middle name Fun Falco, the indie comic book creator who does the Haunting comic. Yvette, that was a lot of fun. What'd you think? It was great. These guys were an awesome panel, and I can't wait to have some of them back on again. Right on. That's going to do it for us. We really appreciate everyone that took the time to tune in. We hope that you had just as much fun as we did on this episode. And hey, we still don't know shit about comics. <laughs> <laughs>